thanks for coming to the camp. And Gihan, thank you for um, putting it all together. Without that man, we can't, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't even have us, wouldn't even know what it was like to be here. So, and I love his heart as far as bringing churches together and denominations and breaking those walls down. Um, I completely share with him in that regards. Everything all right, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'll start with a little bit of what I did with the men's breakfast. Um, I won't go as much depth into it, but I'll def you'll definitely get an idea of where I've come from to get an idea of the journey that I've been on as well as still continuing. Can I have one, two, please? Alright, I was born 1974, so I'm 49. I was born in Germany, not in Australia. Um, my family was mainly, that I know of, was mainly consisted of my grandmother, grandfather, my mum and my uncle. My dad was married to my mum and divorced by the time I was born. So, and my half-sister is about six months younger than me. So it gives you an idea. He moved on very quickly and I've never heard from him since really. So I've got no contact with him. Um, we came to Australia in 81 and it was a very big different change in lifestyles. Um, coming from the German lifestyle, coming to Australia, I hooked up with a couple of older kids. They used to go to the paddocks and we used to catch lizards, snakes. So it was an adventurous um, life and I quite enjoyed that young time. Um, but as all things, things change and they moved on. Um, I left primary school and I moved on to the first year of high school in year seven. And that's sort of where my life did a big 360. Um, from the word go, when I started going to year seven, the bullying started. Um, verbal, physical, um, you name it, it sort of pretty much was happening. Um, I was in a school of about 1400 kids and not designed for that. It was a small, it's designed for about 900 to 1,000 and I think they've got about 800 in there now. So it was a big, huge culture shock. You know, you go from a small primary school into a high school like that. Um, then the bullying started. Now part of the bullying, it's sort of like, okay, you can sort of put up with it. Um, now my parent mum ended up making friends at a year seven welcome to high school sort of ceremony and she made a friend across the road who was also German background um, and they became friends with well she became friends with the, the wife and I was asked to clean the car and things like that just to earn a bit of pocket money so I thought you know a bit of pocket money in my pocket hey why not um, anyway Cut a long sh story short there, I ended up getting sexually abused there and it knocked me for a six but um, thankfully I did tell my cousin and it ended up, ended very quickly but 
damage was done, um, but at least it ended quickly and not dragged out like some cases you hear. Now, my grandfather, he was the my father figure. He was there from day one. He always looked after me. He always to protected me. So he was always the one that I looked up to. My uncle was in the home as well, but he was secondary when it came to that. Um, sadly, he passed away when I was in year seven as well. Um, just after all these other things that have started and happened, he passed away. So it left a massive hole and didn't leave me much where to go and the German my family sort of had it in their heads well you don't discuss things outside of the family home um, so I never shared never told my youth leaders because I was at church during this whole time um, I even got baptised I think it was year 7 or year 8 which meant nothing to me unfortunately because I didn't have any understanding of what the father was about or what church was about it's just something that you do so um, with that a lot of anger came out of it I got more angry I threw tables chairs at school I fought wherever someone challenged um, the bullying was still there I mean you can't doesn't matter how tough you are I mean if you got six guys you I mean you can't really defend yourself against it and I got to a point where my life was I was that angry but I was also numb from it all and I became suicidal I really didn't want to continue I didn't want to know about life I didn't want to know people um, yes I did have some friends I'm not gonna say I didn't have friends I did have a couple of friends who are still friends today but they didn't know my walk they didn't know what I was going through because I didn't share uh, my youth leader was in the same boat um, he actually heard some of this a little while back and then went like oh, I'm so sorry but I didn't share so I can't I don't hold you responsible because I c you don't know what's going on in my life anyway my um, suicidal thoughts ended up becoming more um, I suppose dangerous in the sense that I was thinking more of the lines of taking the people out with me as I was going to go out and one person actually held a gun to my head and then told me about how he's got all these weapons at home and he only lived around the corner from me. So my head was going, great, I now have weapons at my control. If I really need it, I know where I can find them. But Jesus definitely had different pathway for me, which I'm very grateful. It all came to a head, I think I was in year nine. I mean, I'm not 100% sure exact dates or anything like that. I can. It's too long ago, but... I ended up talking to, well, sorry, not talking to anyone, but just talking to myself, really, with um, some music in the background, with a sharp knife, and I just kitchen sink and just said, this is it, I can't continue. 
I've had enough. And um, through that, I was very grateful because he actually stepped in. Um, I like to think it was a very much audible voice, but whether it was or not is irrelevant. I could feel it. I could. I felt I could hear it. So, as far as I'm concerned, it was. And that was just, you know, give it to me. And I said, well, I can't continue with my life. So if you want it, <laughs> you've got my life, but you're going to have to take over because I can't do it. So that's what he did. He, he said, give it to me, and I gave it to him. You know, I love to say that that was everything changed. <laughs> um but it doesn't just change because you're still broken. I've still got the pain and I've still got the bullies. I've still got everything sitting there to face. But at least now I wasn't facing it on my own. Um, from I basically walked a very lonely walk still because I didn't really, I still didn't talk to the, anyone at church. I still didn't do any of that. Um, got up with friends, did a few things, like just normal teenage stuff. Um, got into... What's wrong? I started doing security work. Um, really not my nature, but I thought, oh yeah, I'll give it a go. A friend of mine was already doing it, so I ended up getting work straight as I wanted it. Ended up in a place called the Palace. Some of your people might remember the Palace in St Kilda. The old Twister and stuff like that. Um, so I worked in there for quite a few years. but And I learnt a lot from there. You know what I mean, I learnt to get the respect of men. You basically, they're pretty simple. You show them the respect and you're there for them. And they'll support you in the same way. Because I worked with a lot of Islanders and working with them was once you had their respect, you know what I mean, you, you got a hug. Every time you saw them, there's a big hug coming. Um, but if they didn't respect you, you wouldn't even get a hello from them. They'd just walk past. But I fitted in quite well and I learned a lot from them in the sense of companionship in male relationships. Not that we shared anything in deep, but it's something that I never experienced. Now, during my security, I also did a couple of pokey venues, and it was in one of those venues that I might met my wife. Now, meeting my wife was definitely a change to who I was, because I, by this time I was nearly 29, 30, and I pretty much gave up worrying about getting a wife or anything like that. I just thought, well, don't worry about it. Now, thinking back, I do remember getting a vision or whatever you want to call it, 2003. Well, I met my wife 2002, but we didn't get together till 2003. So I like to think that my life was changing into that direction and it was that scripture that was leading into that. Now, some of this stuff my kids haven't heard, especially about mum, and I do have permission from my wife to speak about it. 
because it is part of my journey. Um, she, well, we had Neil before we got married and my wife ended up with postnatal depression um, to the point where she was suicidal and there were days that she would go shopping and I had no clue if she was coming back or not. Um, and it was a tough time, like really tough. Um, the kids never, haven't heard any of that, but that's my wife's story to tell any more into that as far as the, her story. But it got to the point where John was born and I think Laura Lee was just born. So, because they're only 15 months apart, those two. And work, I was a fleet manager at the time. So it was a lot, fair bit of pressure on me already doing that and quite a few hours. And then on top of that, I was dealing with my wife who was once a, well, it, had, it never actually went away. It just sort of continued the depression. And it got to the point where I'd get a message just saying, that's it. Oh, I've had enough. See you later. And I'd be like, sorry, boss. See ya. And I'd race home and she'd be sitting in the car crying and thankfully she hadn't done anything like that. Um, now, during this time, I ended up crying out myself and saying, well, I need to go on a journey, Father. I, I don't know how to treat these kids. I was never shown how to bring up kids. I think I'm doing an okay job with what I've been, what I do have. And I definitely don't know how to deal with my wife. <laughs> Whether it was just loving her or anything else, I just never got shown that. My grandparents never showed affection to each other. I think they loved each other in some manner or form because they were together a long time, but they never showed it. So from that day, I thought, oh, well, that's nice. You know, I've done that. First of all, I got fired from my work, which was a good thing because I was praying very hard that it was a very toxic environment in the end. And I just said, well, I'm not going to quit. But if you get rid of me, well, that's another issue. And the very next day, I'll get a letter saying, here you go, finish up. So I think that was a good sign to say, there you go, out you go. Now, during that time, I was still doing a little bit of security, but I started sort of going back or stopping that. And, you know, I ended up stopping completely because it just was too hard with the kids, doing two jobs full-time and doing that sort of work. Um, plus, it, well, the work I wasn't doing wasn't really appropriate for a Christian to be in. So I was working in venues that were very much not desired. Anyway, from there I went to, well, on Facebook, I, a Fathering Adventures rocked up. Now, Paul knows a lot about Fathering Adventures. He actually knows the guy running it, Darren Lewis. And this is the first thing that's popped up after I've sort of said, put me on a journey. Now, by this time I was 
at toll and I was only a part-time four hours so not an incredible money um, and basically my week's wage would go towards going to this but I thought you know what me and Neil went um, I think he was six at the time and it, it changed my life like just the information that he had the encouragement that he gave me um, it's basically put me on the right path just from that now from him I got on to Wild at Heart stuff which definitely changed my view on manhood and also on treating how to treat my wife and things like that now I know some people don't like the Wild at Heart stuff but it definitely um can change your life in what it does have to say but like all things you take the things that you need to take and the things you don't need at the time while you you just sort of braze over them and from there I ended up um, getting in touch with dads for kids and I knew nothing about Warwick Marsh I didn't know who he was I didn't know anything about him but again it popped up on Facebook and I thought oh well let's have a look and I realized that Fathering Adventures was actually linked with these guys. So I thought, well, it's got to be half decent. Um, anyway, I went there to do, not what they do now, but back then they used to do like a leadership course to try and get leaders to run their courses. Um, and that was just incredible, you know what I mean? They get you to write a letter to your wife, things like that. They show you the different things and it's just an incredible way of changing your mindset, giving you new tools on how to deal with your life, kids. Um, so it's really awesome. But it still wasn't quite there. And I'll probably never will be quite there. It's always gonna be something new, something new to learn, something new to take on. But one of the things that I wanna talk to you about today is one is the journey got to ask to be put on the journey with the father you can't just think that you're on it because he doesn't force himself onto us he leaves that as our decision so a lot of people you know they go oh yeah, yeah I've been journeying with Christ for X amount of years and it's like that's great now I've known some of these guys and there's been no change in the 10 years that I've known them and I, I say to them well how do you know you're on this journey? Usually you get a blank stare. <laughs> or, oh, I just know I am. And it's like, we are on a journey. But is the journey with Christ or is the journey just for ourselves? I mean, there's guys that I know that they're after their million dollars or two million dollars businesses and, and there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're putting Christ first and that's where Christ wants you. Now, number two is something that's close to me and that's Darren Laws put me on to Paul Lassing. I didn't know Paul and yet he walk, lived around the corner from me. And he had a thing going with a bunch of guys just meeting up, having a chat, telling each other stories of our lives. And I thought, awesome, put me in touch with this guy. So he gave me his email address and stuff and so I contacted him and 
it, it looked okay. I, I don't know if it was the thing I wanted at the time or not, but it, but it was something I definitely thought, well, I'll give it a go. I met up with Paul and Wayne at the time, who was co-leading so, sort of thing. And I also met Brad there. So now, unfortunately, some of the guys that were in the group, they've moved on and to do other things and whatever they wanted to do. But I'm still in touch with Paul and Brad. We meet on a regular basis, um, usually Monday night around a fire or something like that, and we just have a chat, get things off our chest from the week or whatever, and there's nothing like it. I mean, if you, a lot of guys tend to spend their life like an island, I suppose. You know, we keep everything to ourselves. We don't want to keep people at arm's length, just show what we want them to see. But there's something about setting up a group of guys, putting in a safe space. So, like, we don't discuss things with our wives and things like that that gets discussed in the group unless there's permission to. Um, and I think that's the secret to it. It's you got to create a safe space for these guys. Um, but it definitely will change your life, not just in yourself, but also their lives. By you sharing your life or you, them sharing their life, it brings out trust. It brings out accountability in to a certain degree because um, we all have issues I don't care who you are they, they, we all have something that bothers us something that eats away at us um, we all have days where we just wish we could talk to someone well if you get set up for, or if you got a two three guys four guys who understand you understand your story they understand when you tell something, they understand the background and why you're usually going the way you're going. So it's very important in my life. Um, and I think it's something that should be important to every one of us. Um, I understand it's not your, our norm to sort of set up groups or anything like that. And I'm not saying that you have to go out and grab three guys by the throat and say, you're coming with me or anything. <laughs> Because um, it is a journey. Right? I, if I had have just walked into this group without going through all these other phases first, I would have just gone, yeah, see ya. <laughs> um, Going back to, I suppose, back a little bit. Part of the journey, I suppose, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, well, it's just the journey. I mean, we're all on a journey, blah, blah, blah. The 12 apostles were on a journey before Jesus came along and completely changed their direction. See, we might think we're on a journey with going a particular direction and he might have a completely different direction of what we actually think. I wouldn't be standing here talking to you 
I can guarantee you that if it wasn't for what he's put me into and how he's led me through. Right? I was down and out and even when I got married, I was still had all the pain, I still had all the brokenness um, that really made it worse for the marriage because I brought all that into my marriage. I mean, she's brought her own baggage into the marriage as well. Now, if we have a look at... Um, I was going to have a look at the four men who carried their mate to Jesus. What we're presuming they were mates because who would take a guy and carry him and then climb up on a roof and open up a roof and let him down? You've got to have a journey with those sort of guys to be able to get to a point where, hey, we're willing to do that for you. Let's go. Because the complete strangers won't do it. Unfortunately, and especially in this day and age, it's definitely not the norm, which is sad. Anyway, the reason I gave you the, the papers is we're going to go through a little bit of what holds us back from the journey and what holds us back from maybe setting up something like a group or finding men of the same thoughts I suppose who are looking for something like to connect with and to travel with there's something about it so and it definitely works I mean if you want to know more you can definitely talk to Paul, Brad um, and I suppose the thing that we've got to look at is the fear a lot of us I suppose are scared of what's going to come out, like what a, what will people think? Heaven forbid, you know, <laughs> like me even standing up here, I don't know what my kids were going to think the first time I spoke about my life because they hadn't heard my story when I did that last time. I still don't know what he thinks. <laughs> so he's probably actually, first time he's actually listening this time. <laughs> Um, so I suppose if we close our eyes and just get into a bit of praying and just thinking about why are we on this journey guys in life and I mean are we on the, a journey of the world or are we actually on the journey with Christ what holds us back from an intimate journey with the Father? What is stopping us from taking up the sonship? And that's an important one, the sonship. Paul spoke about the friendship. The sonship is just as important. So what are the fears or what's holding us back? might be just write down on your piece of paper whatever comes to your mind. Family, what will they think? What are they going to say? Friends, 
work colleagues, co-workers, you know, the people that really shouldn't matter, but for some reason, we give them power. Abandonment, unworthiness. Am I worthy to even consider being on a journey with the Father? Never enough. I want more. Not good enough. That was one of my big ones, was not good enough. What would my family feel? That's for me, that was two big ones. Fear of the unknown. Where will this take us? A big one I find is time. But you don't understand. I've got no time. I've got a family. I've got work. I've got... I understand that. We all have those. But how many times do we actually make time t for ourselves? And that's what it really is. A journey with Christ is making time with for ourselves with him generational expectations that's a that's a big one especially for international people who have grown up in different cultures there's certain expectations that their forefathers would have their grandparents you know you know you can't do that you've got to do this this is what we've always done Cultural expectations, very similar, but might not be the family, it might just be what you've always done. Life pressures, work, kids, family, juggling it all. Once you've done all that, I'm pretty much finished. But tonight, when we we've got a few small groups coming up, we'll get the um, fire going, and you can put these pieces of paper into the fire and say goodbye to them. And while you're this afternoon, maybe think about some of the things that you have written down, or maybe some things that you haven't written down yet that have come up and just go you know what it's time to let go of certain things so I can actually get into this journey with Christ and fully submit myself to it because if you say I want to be on this journey he will take you on that journey but it might not be the journey that you're expecting right you might be hoping for that multi-million dollar company, but he might take you completely opposite way. But wherever he's going to take you, it's going to be fulfilling. That I can guarantee you. I'm still on that journey. I don't know where this will lead, where my life's going to go. I can share this sort of, something like this to you guys. I can share part of my heart. There's a lot more to my story but we don't really have that much time to go through it all. But I'd just like to 
get you to open your hearts and sort of and minds and say it's time to go on that journey become sons of the father become friends with the father and get to a point where we can just talk to him you know a lot of people will think oh i pray to him that's great oh, we all need to pray but what happens during the day when you're having a bad time He's still there. We can talk to him. <coughs> we just got to have that inside us and remember that he's, hey, Father, I'm, I'm struggling here. Can you help out? Sometimes he helps. Sometimes he lets us do what we have to do to for a reason. no matter what, it's always going to be to our benefit. Right. Gihan? <coughs>